Casey. And I'm Emily. And you're listening to A Sprinkle of Sugar, A Dash of Murder, a true crime podcast with an element of baking. And what did you make this week? So this week we're doing we're covering Belle Guinness. I don't know much about her, him, it, she, she. Okay, I don't <laughs> her, know much about yes. her. Um, but anyway, so clearly I don't know anything. I don't even know her gender. Um, but it's I guess at one point she owned a candy shop. Uh, and Emily also told me something about a carnival. Yeah, there's just a lot to this story and a lot to this woman. So, I've thought about candy shops and I've been on a really big chocolate kick lately. Mm. And the thing that makes my mouth water are chocolate turtles. (laughs) (laughs) I love chocolate turtles. Same. So, um, I looked that up and it's super super easy um literally all it is is pecans caramel milk chocolate chips and like a little bit of shortening and yeah they're i guess i mean they're called turtles because they're supposed to look like turtles yeah i don't i get it like the chocolate on the top is supposed to be like a shell but let me tell you mine don't look like turtles (laughs) they'll taste good and they won't taste like turtles either (laughs) oh good yeah (laughs) I wasn't planning on eating something that tasted like turtle this morning. I've been quoting The Office every single time I think about it. I'm like, where are the turtles? Oh, Oh, so good. It's such a great show. If you don't get it, watch it. So, Emily, um, let's let's hear about Belle Guinness. Gunness. Yeah. I don't really know how it... I I think it's Gunness, but yeah. All right. So, Belle Gunness... This takes place in LaPorte, Indiana. <gasps> hey, I did a clinical rotation there because I went to school in Valparaiso. Yeah. No, and, man. Uh, Valparaiso comes in no. slightly, a little bit, <laughs> in this story because Indiana. This is another old timey one, early 1900s. So I just love those. So I couldn't resist. Yes, I, I really like these ones, too. I feel like it's cool because you're learning something historical at the same time. Yeah. A lot of the time. The stuff they don't teach you in history class. Right. Which is the name they of sh- a podcast, which is good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, They should. They should be like a... I'm sure it's like a college course, like murders in the 1800s you, or something yeah. like that. You know what? I actually... Random. This is so random. But I was in the shower and I was thinking about... I was like, it would be cool to be a college professor of a true crime course. Like, not like criminology, you know, like the criminal justice. I don't know. Maybe they do have to take a course like that. Mm -hmm. But like just teaching about, I don't know, like murders that have happened over time and stuff. I feel like it would be interesting. Kind of macabre, but like interesting. It would be really interesting. But then at the same time, like... Would it be his, a history course? Like, would yeah, history majors take it? Would it just be, like, an elective? And then what kind of assignments would you do? Like, I feel kind of weird being, True. like, tested on, like, True. how many people did Ted Bundy kill? <laughs> like, you know? Like, You're right. This choice. wasn't a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> or, like, oh, well, maybe you can, like... <clears throat> it'd be kind of interesting for, like, maybe. a creative writing course where it's, like... You talk, I don't know, that like it's kind of like related to English liter- literature too mm-hmm. and like things like that because then it'd be kind of cool to incorporate, you know, essays into it where it's like from yeah. the 
write an essay from the standpoint of a <coughs> serial killer or something like that would be like a really interesting topic yeah or like psychology like try write a paper on what you think the psychology of this person would be like or something yes like that. i feel like it'd be a good psychology course yeah and then you could cover different different mental illnesses that go into yeah. it yeah there I we don't go know if those kind of classes exist I just said exist. Um, <laughs> you know, if we didn't say words like exist, maybe Emily and I could be the professors of this class. I'd go from the medical standpoint, and then Emily would come in from the literature or the um, mm. intelligence standpoint. <laughs> Even though she says yeah. exist, but she's definitely uh, more we well spoken than I. Everybody makes mistakes. <laughs> Oh. Yeah. Okay. Five anyway. minutes in, we quoted Hannah Montana. Okay. <laughs> the Office, Hannah Montana. <laughs> What's next? <laughs> um, well, there's actually a poem about her. It's a short little poem, and I'm going to read it. Uh, Belle Gunness was a lady fair in Indiana State. She weighed about 300 pounds, and that was quite some weight. <laughs> that she was stronger than a man her neighbors did all own. She butchered hogs right easily and did it all alone. But hogs were just a sideline she indulged in now and then. Her favorite occupation was a butchering of men. So that'll give you a little hint. Wow. I'm really intrigued by this woman. She is called, um, she has a lot of nicknames. Um, they call her like Lady Bluebeard, um, Hell's Princess, and the Butcher of Men, among some others. Um, but people really like to give her nicknames over time. So (laughs) Hell's Princess. Yes. I like Lady Blue I'm excited to hear about Lady Bluebird or Beard. Where that even comes from? Or do you even know? It's it's based off the pirate Bluebeard. And they, because he was like a vicious person, I guess. And so oh. they were like, she's vicious. We'll call her Lady Bluebeard. Oh, okay. So, yeah. I don't even know who the pirate Bluebeard is. I, I don't either, except in like fairy tales. And I'm pretty sure that's not the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, after a little bit of history first, I guess. After Chicago was rebuilt from the Great Fire... Um, 80% of the population in the city were Norwegian or were immigrants. And I put, um, by 1870, there were 8,000 Norwegians in Chicago and they were known to be like extremely, like a good population. There was actually in Chicago newspapers, um, writing about how the Norwegian population was the best in the city. They were welcomed happily and they were the third largest population of Norwegians like in the world, even in the country of Norway. Jeez. So, and Belganis is one of those immigrants, which is why I brought that up. And she is about to sully their good name with her misdeeds. <laughs> so, um, you know them Norwegians. Yes. She moved to America in 1881 from Selbu, Norway. I don't know. <laughs> and she was originally named Brynhild Paulsdatter Storset. So, um, and she was born November 11th, 1859 to Paul and Berit Storset, who were very poor, but they owned a farm and she was one of seven kids and they all had to work on this farm and she received this nickname Snarkvitspala, I think, <laughs> which is like twig daughter. Because she, she had to like collect 
twigs for the farm. Oh. <laughs> and her fa- her dad's name is Paul. So like Paula, Paul, Paul, Paul's daughter. <laughs> I just... Cusco, Cusco's twigs. <laughs> That's what I did. Oh, God. So twig daughter. Yes. You know... Twigs. And it sounds like she wasn't really much of a twig because she was no. 300 pounds. She was known for being quite large. I understand. So. <laughs> um, I meant to bring... Um, I'll just look it up, a picture, and show you. But I have, I, like, read a book on her, and I meant to bring the book, but I forgot it on the couch at home. So. Oh. <laughs> Oops. So, in June 1874, at 14 years old, she was confirmed at an evangelical Lutheran church, and the pastor said she was one of, like, the most religious and knowledgeable girls um, that he ever had, and that she was a diligent human being. And so it's very different from what she will later be known as. And a lot of people, like, after it became known that she was a killer, people mm-hmm. from her hometown were like, I always knew she was evil, you know, how they always like, say. Yeah, people always want to get, get in on that, I yeah. feel like. And they came up with tons of stories, like, she was impregnated at 17 by a wealthy landowner, and he beat her mm-hmm. until she miscarried, and that's when she decided she hated men and like stories like that like, yeah popped right. up everywhere so who knows what actually was true and what wasn't but mm-hmm. Bryn Hild's older sister Olena had moved to Chicago and married an American there and she invited her sister to come and live with them and it was at that point that they both changed their names to more American sounding names okay and Bryn Hild chose Belle or Bella Peterson and her sister is now Nellie. Oh, so she she went to Belle Peterson? Yes. Oh. And then she later gets married. And oh, married I name see. is Gunnis. Okay. Yep. So they got jobs doing laundry and sewing and cleaning homes. And her sister Nellie said this is when she, Bella... She, she goes by Bella and then she changes it to Belle later too. Okay. Um decided she was like really obsessed and like mad about money and didn't care about like anything else and Nellie her sister said she never seemed to care for a man for his own self only for the money or the luxury he was able to give her Mm. so a gold digger as they would say (laughs) um so her first husband is Mads Dietliv Anton Sorensen oh wow yeah he is also um, an immigrant from Norway, and they got married in March 1884. They were 24 and 29 years old, and he was older, and he was a, wa- a night watchman at Mandel Brothers Department Store um, on State and Madison in Chicago. Bella was known to be very maternal, and she loved kids, and she was a Sunday school teacher. Oh. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and she offered to give orphaned children a home, so she's often taking in, like, orphans. Um, But because she struggled to have her own kids, and she took a liking to her sister Nellie's daughter, Olga, and wanted to adopt her, and she begged her sister to give her her daughter, and Nellie was like, no, she's (laughs) my kid, and then after that, they refused to speak to each other. What? Yeah. That's so, like, I mean... Thanks. I appreciate that you like my daughter so much, but right. you can't have her. <laughs> yeah. Like, isn't being an aunt good too? Right. Like, exactly. Okay. I don't know. Bella and Mads had a neighbor 
and they were friends with their neighbors and they had an infant daughter named Jenny. And when Mrs. Olson, who is, um, their, their neighbors are Mr. and Mrs. Olson. She died and she left Jenny to Bella and oh. allowed her husband, Mr. Olson, to come and see Jenny. So he didn't have custody of her anymore. That's really interesting. Yeah, it's really weird. Um, huh. But when he remarried Mr. Olson, he took Bella to court for Jenny because he wanted custody of his daughter mm-hmm. back. And he lost. And Bella won. And she has full custody of Jenny. I think that's such a strange circumstance, but especially back then, I think they all, like, favored the woman with the child. Right. Even though, like, I know, like, way back in the day, like, children were considered the man's property still, but I don't know. Right. I know. It's just so bizarre that she has the power to say, okay, like, on her deathbed, she can say, I want my daughter to go to her. Yeah. Maybe he, maybe Mr. Olson was not a very nice guy. I don't Honestly, know. Honestly, like, maybe he just had, like, a really sketchy background. Right. I mean, I clearly, clearly, um, her friend Bella wasn't a very nice woman either. No. But <laughs> at the time, she probably she didn't know very that. maternal. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. There's nothing else about them, but, um, except for, like, those court records that exist. Yeah. So, this is when Mads and Bella bought a candy shop in 1894 in Chicago. And it, they also... Um, it was like a multi-purpose shop. They also sold like cigars, grocery items, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, sadly, it did not prosper. And the building burnt down a year later after oh, wow. they were failing it. And Bella said a lamp fell and broke in the shop. But investors did not see any evidence of that. So Uh-oh. they suspected arson. But... Bella and Mads were paid anyway for the store, like the insurance money. So, I mean, it was failing, and so they set it on fire. Yes. And, yeah. Okay. (laughs) Yep. Um, And then, strangely, between 1896 and 1898, they had four children, Carolyn, Myrtle, Axel, and Lucy. Um, Were any of them biological? It is suspected that none of them are biological, that she just took them all in, in the saying that mm-hmm. she had all these kids oh know? really yeah she's saying they're hers and um it's not known but it is like suspected they were all orphans so. yeah but caroline unfortunately died at five months old oh. of enterocolitis oh like yeah inflammation of the bowels yeah and then axel died at three months old of hydrocephalus Oh, that's in the brain. That's like fluid in your brain. Yes. Okay. Yep. And how old was he? He was three months old. Oh. Yeah. And people, I mean, babies died left and right, especially in big cities. Yeah. Um, So people didn't really look into that at all Mm -hmm. of why these babies were dying. But yeah. Right. Um, And then... The Yukon Mining and Trading Company came to offer Mads a job in Alaska for a year with promises of a lot of money that would benefit um, mining for gold, like a get-rich-quick kind of Mm -hmm. deal. So they thought this was going to be like their big break. They thought it was awesome. So they signed contracts and handed over money to the company, like investing money. And then it was revealed to be a whole scam. And they were totally scammed out of all this money. And they went to court and they did win. 
but it was still like a, a blow to them obviously because mm-hmm. they thought it was going to be a prosperous job for them so bell is thinking you know my life with mads is not going anywhere he's mm-hmm. not getting good work so on april 10th 1900 a fire from a defective heating apparatus in their home broke out and destroyed um, $650 worth of household goods. And they received a hefty settlement from that because they needed money. You know, hmm. I mean, (laughs) clearly, or, well, it seems clear to me. I mean, fire, what's, what's the phrase? Burn me once shame on me burn me twice shame on no that's like fool me once oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) but the sentiment is the same my my whole point with that is saying that like once you're burned like once you once there's a fire and you have that whole experience you're gonna be really careful for it not to happen again right is i mean i would believe so so i think that eyebrows should be raising at yeah (laughs) I i would agree and then the real, you know, kicker. Mads had a $2,000 life insurance policy <gasps> that was going to expire Monday, July 30th of 1900. He had decided to let that policy lapse and take a new one that would be for $3,000. Mm-hmm. That very Monday, the $3,000 policy went into effect. And on that Monday... Doctors were called to Bella and Mads' house, and Mads was dead. <gasps> bum, bum, bum. Mm. Imagine that. And Bella said he had a cold and a headache, and the doctor had given her quinine powder. I don't know. Um, to give to him. And she said she gave it to him, went to check on the children, came back, and found that he was dead. And the doctors who looked at him said... Oh, you must have accidentally given him morphine instead, and he died of a cerebral hemorrhage. Holy crap. So they're like, they're like, oh, you poor thing, like, you accidentally did this. They're not thinking, like, foul play at all. Like, all the morphine lying around the house. Right, yeah. <laughs> and so Bella collected $5,000 on both of his life insurance policies. If he had died a day earlier, she would have only got the 2000 And if a day later... Only the three thousand. So how convenient! It is strategic that yes. she, it, he happened to die on that exact day when they were both crossing the the policies. You know and, that's really that's really smart on her end. Just because I wonder how involved she was, like noticeably. Like I feel like back then, you know, it was mainly the man's job. Like he would be like, "Okay, I'm just gonna do this and this." Mm-hmm. You know, I wouldn't be disgusted that, okay, if I were to die on this day. Oh, yeah. You know, so she must have been really paying attention or really had a good understanding of what was going on. Yeah. To be able to pull that. She made sure she knew the financial situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and $5,000 then it would be about $150,000 today. Holy cow. So it was a good amount of money for her. Yeah. <laughs> and she took that money to move to LaPorte, Indiana and start a farm. And she started going by Belle instead. Okay. And she has she took her three daughters with her, Jenny, Myrtle, and Lucy. Okay. So, in 1902, 
Belle remarried to a former boarder that uh, he named Peter Gunnis, and he used to come to Chicago and like board with her and Mads, so they knew mm-hmm. each other. And he had two daughters from another marriage, a four-year-old and a seven-month-old. Five oh, wow. days after marrying Belle, his seven-month-old daughter was dead of edema <gasps> in the lungs. Oh, edema. Okay, edema. Yes, I wasn't sure. (laughs) Yeah, um, so edema in the lungs is like swelling, basically, like fluid, basically, in the lungs. Mm. Well, that's very suspicious, so I doubt it it was actually that. But I don't know, like, what you could do to make it appear like that. And I wonder what happened to her husband's wife, because why didn't she get the kids unless she died? Oh, yeah. You know what? She might have, maybe. Because she did, his, she did get them, yeah. Guinness, or Gunness's first wife, mm-hmm. or yeah. wife before this, that had the seven-month-old. So that's yeah. only seven months. Did they get a divorce? Do you know? Maybe she died in childbirth. Oh, yeah. I don't, that was, that, I feel like that happened, yeah, but. yeah. But I feel like that happened a lot more often. Yeah. Oh, that's so sad. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so eight months after that, December 16th, so her and Peter have only been married for eight months. Jenny woke the neighbors, the Swan family, and she asked for help because Peter had burned himself. Fire again. Hmm. Um, So they called Dr. Bo Bowell, and he came and saw that Peter had been dead for a while. (gasps) His rigor had set in. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. He was lying face down on the floor with a huge wound to the back of his head that was still bleeding. His nose was broken and bent to one side, like he had fallen face down and broke his nose. So they were like, well, what the heck happened? How did this occur? And this is Belle's story. She said, uh, she said, Peter had gone to the kitchen to get his shoes, which he kept by the stove to keep warm. He bent down to grab the shoes, and a meat grinder fell off the shelf above him onto his head, turned over a bowl of hot brine and broth (laughs) um, that scalded his neck. And he said, she was like, what happened? She went to check on him. He was like, I'm fine. I'm just going to lie down for a little bit. And Belle was like, okay, and went to go check on him later, and went, went to go check on the kids. When she came back to check on him, he was dead. This is her story. So plausible, right? <laughs> um, like, okay. It's just so... I don't have words. That's like... <laughs> how did she even think of that? Like, okay, so first this was to happen. But the one thing about that story is the broken nose, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then people were suspicious of this story pretty much right away and newspapers got wind of it and they started reporting that he was murdered without like any confirmation oh geez and dr bowell did a um post-mortem found no evidence of burns like she said so i don't know why you would make that up there's okay um his nose was lacerated broken and had evidence of a severe blow and he had laceration through the scalp, an external layer of skull, about an inch long, um, just above the occipital protuberance. And there was a fracture and depression of the inner plate of the skull and intercranial hemorrhage. 
So they said his official death was due to shock and pressure caused by a fracture and then a hemorrhage. So, yeah, that, that's a lot of stuff to have happened just by what she said a happened. A meat grinder. Yeah. And poor guy, like, okay, so let's just say that her story is true. Let's just humor that for a second. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, a meat grinder falls. He's just trying to go get his shoes. Yeah. His meat grinder falls on his head. And he's like, ow, oh, that really hurt. And then his neck is burnt. And he's like, oh, I'm just going to lay here. Yeah. And then then she's like, okay, honey, I'm going to go check out the kids. I'll be back. Yeah. No. Okay. You're not going to nurse your husband? Like, wow. He's clearly bleeding from the head. (laughs) He's like bleeding out. I'm just going to lay here for a second. I'm just going to take a nap. (laughs) All right. That's just ridiculous. I know. I'm just like picturing that in my head. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> just, just picture like a broke, so like broken human. Like I'm just yeah. I'm, I'm take a nap now. Okay. Okay. Cool. <laughs> yeah. And so this was suspicious. So an inquest into his death was held in 1902, December 18th, and Bell told the same story in court that she told to the officers, um, detailing how she had later. Now she's saying she had she was taking care of his burns but there were no burns on his body. Jenny testified and told the exact same story, like detail to detail. So people were even more suspicious that Jenny was like blabbing off the... Because most people, when they're telling a story, like the details are different, even if it's true, you know? Mm -hmm. And it sounded like to him, to Dr. Bowell, that she had been coached on what to say. Right. Um. He asked how it was possible no one saw his lacerations or didn't notice that his nose was broken. And um, Belle and Jenny were just like, oh, we just we just didn't see. He didn't say anything about his nose. And he, the doctor was like, it would have been bleeding. <laughs> and um, they were just like, no, no. We were just worried about the burns. And like, that was that just their the story. Yeah. I don't know. How stupid could you get? Yeah, but, right. But they got away with it. Nothing came wow. of it because they couldn't prove anything. Right. Um, so Friday, December 19th was the funeral and Belle was reported by newspapers of people watching her and she was covering her face with her fingers and moaning, but then people would notice her like peeking between her fingers to see if people were like looking at her. <laughs> and I'm like, God, this is so dramatic. This would just be such a bad movie. I, I know! Just, like, to, to, to try to recreate this, like, I feel like this acting is horrible. <laughs> I know! It would have looked... This is real, but, like, it would be really cheesy on screen. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Peeks her fingers. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. She's literally a character of herself. That's hilarious. Uh, I mean, sorry, poor Peter, but... Oh, I know. Yeah. That that part's not hilarious, but, yeah. like, her acting. Yes. Uh, they found Belle not guilty, ruled it as an accident, um, but one day, Myrtle told which is one of her daughters Mm -hmm. told a playmate uh my mama killed my papa she hit him with a meat cleaver and he died don't tell a soul (laughs) so uh maybe that's true maybe she really did say that maybe that was a rumor but it was reported that she said that and then a few months later bell had a baby and named him philip but people suspected she did not give birth 
um, to this baby herself because it didn't look like a newborn. And people saw her. They knew they had come to stop by and see like, how are you doing after childbirth? And she was like up, like heaving, like (laughs) feed for the hogs, like by herself or walking around the farm. And they were like, what the hell? So she probably did not have this baby. Also, no one noticed she was pregnant in this last nine months. But also, they were kind of like, well, she's fat, so maybe she yeah, just right. looked not <laughs> pregnant. A little, a little large. <laughs> Wait, so she's saying that this baby is with Peter? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. But most people don't think so. Yeah. Um, so Peter's brother, Gust, was suspicious of Belle... And he went to see his niece, Swanhild, which is his, um, Peter's daughter from the previous marriage. Okay. And Belle offered him a job on the farm. She's like, why don't you live here and Mm. stay with me? I feel like she probably had a plot for Mm -hmm. him, probably to kill him or something. Um, but he didn't want to. He's like, I'll stay one night. And... In the morning, Belle woke up and found him and Swanhild gone. In the middle of the night, he had taken his niece and left because he was suspicious. Wow. So I think that was really good that he got her out of there because children were dying around her. So Yeah, children were dying and her his brother just died. Maybe even, uh, you said her name is Swanhild? Yeah. Maybe even Swanhild Swanhild heard something or knew that it wasn't an accident and that her father had been killed but was like scared Mm -hmm. and she was the older she was the older one too so she probably would have noticed yeah something yeah yeah so in february 1905 a norwegian immigrant from chicago olaf lindbo answered an ad for help on the farm and they became very close like her and or him and Belle. He wrote home that he was going to soon be married to Belle. And then a neighbor, <laughs> these names, Chris Christofferson, came to see Olaf. This is like frozen, guys, because they're all from Norway. <laughs> I, know, I, was, I was like, why does that sound familiar? <laughs> yeah. He came to see Olaf and he was just gone. And Belle told Chris Christopherson that Olaf had gone to St. Louis to see the World's Fair. And and then she told another person, whose name is Mr. Nicholson, oh. um, who asked about Olaf, that he had went back to Norway to see the new king crowned. So she's telling people different Uh-oh. stories yeah. um, about where this Olaf had gone. And then Olaf's father wrote her and was asked where he was. And she said... I don't know. He just went west one day and took up a homestead out west. So she's, I mean, if you're going to lie, that's the number one rule of lying. Get your your story story straight. straight. Yeah. Yeah. She's telling all these different, like, I mean, come on. How stupid are you? You know who this is kind of reminding me of? Who? Um, H.H. Holmes. Oh, yeah. And this is around the same, well, a few years earlier, but yeah. 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 Because the his, his stories were never straight. I know. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it, that was how it was. was like he'd, he'd marry someone else and then all of a sudden they'd leave him randomly. Yeah. And family exactly family like would be asking. Mm-hmm. This is, they. you know, they could have been a match made in heaven. I know. I wonder <laughs> if she was his type. You know what? Actually, 
in some of the newspapers, people were comparing her to him, and they said if they had met, that would have, like, in actual newspapers of the time, they, like, wrote about if the two of them had met and tried to, because he was all about scamming people out of money, yeah. too. They were like, how funny would have been to watch the two of them try to scam each other, and who would have killed who first, right. and, like, <laughs> like, oh my gosh, like, that's a morbid thing, but, like, it would have been interesting. See, that's a movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that could have been a good one. Huh. Uh, but yeah, funny you mentioned that because they did write about that in the newspapers. <laughs> well, because I mean, they both are, yeah, they're both scamming people. Just, he did a lot with insurance money too yep. and, and life insurances and committing they're, fraud. They're both in like, well, she's in Indiana now, but she started mm-hmm. off in Chicago. Right. They're in the same mm-hmm. general area. She really got close there to the same time just period. Just a year after the World's Fair, I think. A year or two, so... Ah, yeah that's crazy uh yeah so april 1905 henry gorholt came to work for mrs gunnis and he worked there for a few months but in august 1905 chris christopherson asked again hey where'd henry go so this guy is like super suspicious because he's always asking where these farmhands are going Yeah, right (laughs) and um Bell said he quit. And then Chris Christopherson said he later saw her wearing Henry's fancy fur coat that he had. And she claimed he asked her about it. I love this guy. Yeah. He's like, hey, you're wearing his coat. <laughs> and she's like, oh, he left it for me. He gave it to me. And lies. Uh, that, yeah. He's like, I doubt it, but okay. <laughs> so Bell puts out another advertisement that said, a woman who owns a beautifully located and valuable farm in first-class condition wants a good, reliable man as partner in same. Some little cash is required and will be furnished first-class security. So, basically, it sounds like a good offer for any man who wants to come mm-hmm. and invest in her farm and help her run it and possibly get married. Right. So, tons of people answered this ad because like i said it was a good prospect so men were selling their property and quitting their jobs just on the assumption that they would get it and they moved to laporte saying and they all left saying i'm gonna be married soon i'm gonna get some cash and neighbors reported seeing men coming in and out of the house all the time like bell's house with like trunks and stuff and like they were moving in and it was like a lot of men and um bell would say they were all her cousins <laughs> i don't know i don't know why she, yeah okay i got a lot of cousins okay yeah and um, but That's no one regions yeah but no one ever saw them leave and their trunks were there and bell said they just left their stuff because they thought it was a burden to take them with I'm like, okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> it's not a burden to take them there. Right. But to bring them home is way too much. Yeah. No. Yeah. So, assumingly, none of these, obviously, none of these men actually became her partner. She was getting what she wanted from them and sending them packing. As far as, that's really. kind of what, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll see. Uh in 1906, Jenny started to have a few suitors. She's getting oh. like a teenager now. Um, 
And she told one of them she was going to L.A. for college and she was super excited and she actually really liked this man. And um, she was like, you can come visit me in L.A. And she was supposed to be leaving in a few weeks and she was supposed to have this big send off. And then he came to see her and Belle said, oh, Jenny already left. She's she's gone. And he was like, well, what the heck? No one saw her leave. And she was supposed to have this big send off, you know, this party, like, and she was all excited. And she never wrote to anyone. And he wrote to her with a proposal and everything. And she never responded. And she was like, basically never heard of again. But Belle was like, she's in, she's at college. She just doesn't want to talk to any of you peasants anymore. Oh, so poor Jenny. That's her own daughter. Like, I know. I don't know what possesses her because we're just gonna maybe assume that she can't she killed her yeah um jenny maybe because she's older now she's not a child and she was about to accept a proposal and go Mm -hmm. to college she's like i can't control her anymore i'm just gonna get rid of her and she maybe she knew too much oh yeah and she was going to leave so and so she couldn't trust that she wasn't gonna tell her secrets yeah it's still horrible that is so sad yeah just i mean even though like she might not be you know your own flesh and blood that's still your daughter like how did you even do that you fought for her in court once and now oh yeah this is the first daughter this is the one that yeah uh was belonged to the neighbor Mm mm-hmm Poor Jenny. Yeah. Poor Jenny's dad, Mr. Olson. Oh, okay. Yeah, Jenny <laughs> was adopted from... Yeah, the okay, Olsons. you're right. I don't know why. I was confusing myself. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, it's because she married so many people. And took in so many random children. Yeah. None of them were anyone that she conceived with the men. Right. Well, that, that like... She's saying she, they are, She but. says they are, but... We don't think so. Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Good thing you're taking notes. <laughs> <laughs> I just started taking notes because I would get like really frustrated that um, I didn't understand. Like I would like miss, mix, miss. Oh my gosh, I can't talk. <laughs> mix up years or whatever, and <laughs> I keep on doing this where I'll catch Emily in like a slip up. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm like, Wait, I thought it was this year. Oh, you're right. <laughs> Sorry. All right. Make me look like a fool. Okay. <laughs> Get your facts straight, you know? <laughs> um, okay, so it's now the fall of 1907, mm-hmm. and this guy named Ray Lamphere arrives to be a new farmhand, and he's considered to be Belle's new beau, and he thought he was going to become, like, master of this farm. He thought they were going to be married. But what he didn't know was Belle was also writing about 70 love letters, and these letters exist, to an Andrew Helgelin <gasps> at the same time. And Andrew, um, she had promised a good partnership to him and a romantic relationship. She's like, if you come here, you'll be prosperous and we can be together. Tisk tisk. <laughs> And she advised Andrew to cut all ties. He lives in South Dakota. And she advised him to cut all ties of anyone in South Dakota to sell everything so he could fully commit to their business on the farm and wrote to him about how amazing their life was going to be and whatever. So how did she meet this Andrew guy? Do we know? Um, through She put out a lot of advertisements, like in newspapers and mm-hmm. magazines and stuff. And so it was like, 
through those advertisements. Would she attach people... a picture of herself? <laughs> um, probably not. <laughs> I don't know. Is this like a, how, the kind of Tinder back then? Or, you yeah. Know? It's like Actually, dating apps. Yeah. People they were thing. who wanted to marry put out advertisements back then. That is... Like, come meet me and yeah. stuff like that. And, like, they didn't I'm have apps. Eligible. So... <laughs> To um, clean up in the Tinder world. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Can you imagine? So they exchanged letters from 1906 to when he finally agreed to come in January 1908. So they're exchanging these love letters for two wow. years. And he's needed a lot of convincing to just leave. And she kicked Ray to the curb very abruptly when Andrew showed up. And <laughs> at least he got out. Right. Yeah. But he's not gone yet. So, oh. <laughs> um, she and Andrew went to the bank January 6, 1908. So, like the very next day after he arrived, mm-hmm. with certificates of a deposit to redeem on January 14th. And they would get $2,839, which is about $75,000 now in cash. Wow. For this, like, investment, she's saying, you know? And. Later that day, she sent Ray, he's still working there, um, even though they're not together anymore. Mm -hmm. So she sent Ray on an errand to go meet a cousin. And so he went and he was like, you know what? Your cousin isn't, he isn't showing up. (laughs) So, because obviously there is no cousin. (laughs) She's getting rid of him. And so he's like, I'm I'm going back to Laporte. And Mm -hmm. so he leaves and goes back because he's tired of waiting for someone who's never going to come. Right. And it's not known if... When he got back, he either quit or was fired, but he left very abruptly. I don't know. That's the end of that. Hmm. But when he got back, also, Andrew was missing. So, <gasps> all right. She, yeah. She, you exchange love letters with a guy for two years, and the day he arrives, get Honestly. his money and go. <laughs> so, his brother, Andrew's brother, Azel, went looking for him, and Belle had told him she wanted their relationship to be a secret so no one knew he was in laporte because he had agreed to that and hadn't told anyone where he was going or whatever um but azel found those letters they were exchanging Mm -hmm. and they were addressed to like laporte and to a bell gunnis so she told him to keep it secret but they had a paper trail so so azel came to laporte in search of his brother Bell told Azel when he got there that Andrew had come to, uh, he was going to Chicago, but had briefly stopped by and she met him and then he left. And Azel was like, well, you exchanged letters for two years and you're saying he just breezed in and left? Yes. That's highly suspect. And um, he asked for the letters. He's like, can I see these letters? Like, uh, like hers? Because he was only seeing his brother's. And she's like, oh, Ray stole them, my old farmhand. So, Belle and Ray start this huge rivalry feud that will last a long time because she accused him of stealing. And so they went to court multiple times, I think at least three times. Um, And Belle is saying that Ray was harassing her and trespassing and coming on her land. And she told everyone that she was scared he was going to burn down her house and kill her kids. So she's spreading this Jeez. wildly. She's letting it be known 
mm-hmm. Ray is th- quote unquote threatening her in her home. So she's also trying to make it seem to Azel like Ray was jealous that Andrew was there now. So mm-hmm. she like Ray offed him, you know. So Monday, April 27th, 1908, Miss Carrie Garwood, who was Belle's daughter's school teacher, said that the two girls arrived to school crying that and they said they had just had a beating because they were playing near the cellar. And Belle was like, don't go in there. Get out. And she made like this huge fuss about the cellar. So that's kind of the first instance of people kind of being like, well, what's in the cellar? Yeah. So, right. Like, mm. is that a big deal, huh? And later that exact day, Belle went and made a will with her lawyer and a deposit of $730. She next went to the general store, bought a large quantity of groceries and two gallons of kerosene. And that night, she made a dinner and played games with her children and her new farmhand, Joe Maxson. The next morning, Joe Maxson woke to smoke filling his room and he escaped the house, but then was like, I have to get back and help the, the, that woman and her poor kids out of the house. So he goes, neighbors are coming because they see this huge fire mm-hmm. um, to put the fire out. And he, Joe Maxson, bless him, tried to go back in the house after getting escaping to go get them, um, the girls. And But he couldn't get back inside and the house was like left in rubble. It was completely burned down. So the sheriff and everyone else was like, oh, my God, Belle was telling everybody that Ray was going to do this. It was Uh-oh. Ray. Yeah. So Sheriff Smutzer and a dozen men started looking through the house for the remains of Belle and the kids um, because they were everyone was convinced, you know, Ray had burnt it down mm-hmm. because she had said that. And at 3.45 p.m. that day, they found their bodies in the cellar. Belle and the kids were piled together, and the kids had died clinging to her. And they, like, you can see that. Oh, my like, gosh. Oh, my God, it's really sad. Yeah. But here's the thing. Belle's head was missing. And they said you could see her heart from where her head should be if you, like, look down. And so Ray is arrested because there's bodies the house is burnt down and he pleads not guilty and waits for a jury decision and um at this time they're like examining the bodies trying to figure out what happened here so post-mortem on bell confirms that she died by suffocation and they assume that the fire burned her head off her body but it does not explain why her head is missing. Like, there's no skull in the remains or anything. I'm so confused. It's <laughs> super weird. Uh, her left arm was burned off to the upper third of her humerus. Her right arm was burned off at the shoulder. Her right leg burned off at the knee. And her left foot burned off at the ankle. Her entire right side of the torso was burned away, leaving her internal organs exposed. And her lungs, intestine, liver, and pancreas were all normal, but burned. So they were, like, cooked. It's super weird. Super weird. Um, 
Nellie Larson, Belle's sister, came to Laporte to identify her sister and to claim her part of Belle's estate. And Jenny's older sister, Mrs. Olander now, also came to find out why nothing was left to Jenny in the will. Because everyone thinks Jenny's probably off at college, you know? And Azel also arrived, who is Andrew's brother. Mm-hmm. Azel asked Joe, the farmhand, to help him dig up the property um, in any area that Belle might have asked him to, like, dig some holes or something. Because Azel's thinking, you know, this is all extremely suspicious i'm let's dig up the property and because you know i guess he was allowed to do that because the police didn't care back then like right. uh, normally that would have been a crime scene today you know yeah but they they all started digging and about four feet down in the yard um they hit a very bad smell <gasps> uh they hit some fabric and saw a human neck and then they saw a severed arm. So at that <sighs> point, Maxon was like, we should go get the sheriff and the coroner. Uh, yeah, right. So they uncovered chopped up body parts and saw a crack running from the top of this person's skull of a man. And his left wrist had two deep cuts to the bone. And the tops of all five of his fingers on his right hand were chopped off. And there was brown curly hair in his fist, which is what Belle's color hair was. She had curly brown hair. He fought back. Yes. Um, And Azel recognized this body as his brother, Andrew. (gasps) Oh, poor Andrew. unfortunate. Spends two years writing love letters. Yeah. Oh. And then Eventually, he just finally uh, makes his way. They go straight to the bank because he's like, we're going to start our new life. Yep. And then she starts killing him and he just grabs her hair. Just, it's so sad. I know. Poor Andrew. And the, why, wait. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> why is it that, so Azel's the one that went out there and the first body they find is Andrew's. Yep. This is just like the Bloody Bender. Yes! When the, that one guy went up to find his brother, and the first body they find is his brother's. Yes! I thought the exact same thing. I was like, what are the odds of this? Yeah. That is so weird. Yep. Uh, so, Maxon, Sheriff Smutzer, and Smutzer, and a neighbor, Daniel Hudson, start digging all around the property. They found on their initial first dig, four victims, two men, one woman, and one girl, each chopped up into six pieces. So their limbs are all removed and mm-hmm. the heads removed. So, so they, wait, they find like a, a young girl, you said? Yep. Oh, they'll identify her. Yeah, I was just, I just realized. Yeah, <laughs> it's Jenny. Um, the young girl had blonde hair, and it was Jenny. Oh my god! And she was her body was found May fifth, nineteen oh eight, which was would have been her eighteenth birthday. <gasps> what are the odds of that too? Oh, this is just so messed Isn't that up. Terrible? All this. Yeah, it's so bad. It's so sad. Uh, so. As news is getting out that all these bodies are around um, the farm, 
they start villainizing and theorizing that Belle is not really dead because there's no head. So they're like, this is all fake. She's setting it up. And people were coming to the property in droves to try and see this stuff. So a fence was put up around the property to keep back thousands of people who showed up to see this. Uh, this was high entertainment at the time, I suppose. Ooh. And like true crime fascination is not a modern thing. Like no. there were, you know, everyone loved a public execution back in the day. Right. Like, it, it's a morbid fascination that goes back centuries, you know. Right. And things like this really remind you of that because thousands of people showed up. Wow. And they kept digging. So they kept digging up the property and found another body also chopped into pieces um, in a burlap sack. And then they found a hole that had a dozen pair of men's shoes in it and then more bones under the shoes. Three bodies were, three more bodies were found chopped up in sacks with quicklime poured over them, which is something H.H. Yes. Yep. And she had even poured quicklime and like stuffed it in the body's ears. Oh. I don't know to what effect, but. That's messed up. She was trying to cover all the bases, I guess. Or maybe she's also like H.H. Holmes where she's kind of curious, like what, what's going to yeah. happen here? Maybe. Yeah. So the total of bodies on the property is now up to nine. And Belle starts being known around the country as, here's some more nicknames, Lady Macbeth, Laporte Ghoul, the Indiana <laughs> Ogress, because she oh, was God. so bad. <laughs> um, I don't feel bad for her. No. Um, Lady Bluebeard or female Bluebeard. And I said the other ones. Mm-hmm. Hell's Princess, blah, blah. Um, <laughs> the headlines, the man. Ogress. I like that. <laughs> I know, that's the, that's the best one. The Indiana Ogress. Yeah. Um, people started speculating that she was working for crime organization in Chicago, like she was helping out the mob and hiding her the bodies out on the farm to help them get rid of them. Mm-hmm. And they also guessed, people started saying she was like H.H. H. Holmes, and they assumed maybe like him, she was selling bodies for profit because he oh, sold the skeletons. Right. Um, but most of the remains were on her property, so mm-hmm. she obviously wasn't selling skeletons. But um, Sheriff Smutzer ordered her previous residences to be searched and dug up because it became a suspicion that she was part of something called baby farming, um, which is back then... Mothers of unwanted infants would pay caregivers a flat or monthly fee to watch and board a baby for them or find a home for adoption if they couldn't, like, take care of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and they believed that Belle was doing this because everyone said she had, like, babies all the time. She was taking the babies in and, like, accepting the fee, but, like, disposing of them, like, getting rid of the babies. Oh, my gosh. And only kept, like, a handful. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So it's not, it's never confirmed if she actually did that or not, but yeah, it becomes... They didn't find any, like, find any baby No, they bodies. didn't. They didn't. So I, I sincerely hope not. Yeah. But it does make sense that she did do that with, like, the few, the ones that she did have. And then yeah. several of them died of, like... Right. So really she probably did things. kill those babies who... Yeah. Died. But, yeah. 
so some men were coming like from all over the country not just men but like relatives were coming to like they had missing relatives and they heard about this and they're like what if they're on the farm Mm -hmm. so people are showing up looking and asking for their remains to be they want to see them you know so that to see Mm -hmm. if they can identify their family members who had gone missing and uh, most people it didn't turn up anything but a few people like brothers matthias and oscar budsberg came looking for their father who they said had sold his farm and said he was going to laporte and um so they were taken to the farm and they did identify their father was unfortunately there that's so sad yeah um so many people at this point believe bell is still alive but ray is currently being put on trial for their murders huh um may 8th friday morning it's a torrential rain so they had to stop digging the digging went on because this is a pretty large farm it Mm -hmm. went on for several days so and this rain happened so they couldn't keep digging but um when it stopped they found a couple more bodies and they found them in a rotting wooden box Ooh, and like the rain and the decomp was like it was super bad so this is really gross sorry um there were bones but also like the flesh had turned into like a jelly like substance Ugh. and was like half melting yeah. off like that's yeah. so gross it's gross and once again the corpse was severed into six pieces and was male but women's shoes were found with it so they dug deeper under that body and found a woman's bones and so that brings the total of bodies found up to 11 at this point wow yeah and then we have no we know a bunch of men came um you know to right with her advertisements but it's never identified like who these women whose bodies yeah. were found were except for jenny they know it was jenny wow um so the state of the bodies made most of them unidentifiable and Mm. these uh, claims of people like relatives could never really be confirmed um plus like forensics was not great in the early 1900s right right so some people were believed to be true but like some of the claims were Mm -hmm. but positive id and circumstantial evidence was all they could really go off of so because of this they do believe her hired um farm farm hands i couldn't think of the word mm-hmm. um olaf limbo henry gerholt uh, olaf jensen and john moe who were two others were all among those bodies wow uh a lot of theorists and alienists started profiles on bell's mental motivations and if you don't know alienist is a term not used anymore really but um of someone who studied mental processes of um criminals back then because you were thought if you were a criminal of this magnitude you were alienated from your humanity so you were known as an alienist if you studied that oh yeah um there's a show called the alienist and it's kind of about that and it's really interesting if you're interested um anyway so one said they she was motivated as a religious fanatic and was prompted 
to punish these people kind of similar to like burning at the stake and medieval torture was back in the day i don't believe that one like at all but i know i'm trying to think like i mean the only way the only thing that would justify that is the fact that she was somewhat religious yeah um when she was younger mm-hmm. yeah and like somebody, really a sunday school teacher see but see that that's her motivation no because why like what would it be against men right yeah, yeah. i don't know another said she did it for sexual release Another said she was emotionally dead or had a dual personality. One of them, very sexist, said (laughs) it was her womanly passion and vindictiveness that all women have, but it was heightened because of something in her brain. Um, The maternity developed into a force strong enough to forget her natural weakness as a woman. So, like, wow, that makes no sense at all. But he just really wanted to bash women. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) I think that guy's got issues. Yeah, for real. No, um, trying to look at it, like, stand back and look at it. Like, why did she do all this? I, I think it was very similar to H.H. H. Holmes where she just kind of learned that she's able to manipulate people mm-hmm. and she was a psychopath, literally. Yes. Yeah. And just kind of was able to separate herself from that disgusting, like, being able to kill someone just because she just wanted to take advantage of the situation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't really think that there was much as far as, like, a psychological i mean obviously you have to have some sort of issue but mm-hmm. nothing to the point like i think it's very similar to hh H. holmes's situation yeah. where it's just like she wants to take advantage of people. because you could right yeah and she doesn't get bothered by the fact that she's killing people right and with him it was sexual to an extent oh you're with right. her i don't think so but maybe but i don't yeah, know yeah i because his was like gassing people stuff like that and she literally like butchered people so i she just wanted to get rid of them i mean she grew up on a farm like yeah. i mean they could talk about her slaughtering pigs like mm-hmm. and that's a really nasty process too so yeah. like she's able to stomach that she probably just doesn't see she's probably such a narcissist like i would say with h.h H. holmes he was such a narcissist she mm-hmm. probably is the same way yeah where she only really thinks of herself and her benefits and is able to just separate herself mentally from all that. Yeah, I would agree. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. So it's estimated by people who like added up all the sums of the life insurance policies and stuff that she got and um, estimated stolen amounts from all these people to be $46,900, yeah, $46, which would account to $1.2 million today. Holy crap. That's a lot of money. Yeah. wow that she just like stole or gained from all of this yeah mm-hmm. uh because you know so many men so many of these men had sold everything to come to laporte so mm-hmm. they had a large amount of money when they arrived so and laporte isn't really that big either so she might have like been able to just escape i mean like even though this is probably like in a lot of uh headlines and on the news Mm -hmm. a lot like as far as in the newspapers i feel like it would be easier to escape because it's such a small town yeah so if she were it was a recently established town too like it was up and coming so it wasn't like a huge city at all but 
Yeah, it's crazy. So Andrew was found with one and a half grains of strychnine in his stomach and a lot of arsenic. So it's believed she poisoned him. Um, They believe she poisoned all of them, but like Andrew was the freshest, I guess. So like they were able to actually see the poison in him. Um, Then attacked with a blunt object, then chopped up. And all of the bodies were butchered, you know. Yeah. Um, on Friday, May 8th, Belle was seen boarding a train in all black with a black veil. And the train arrived in Rochester, New York. And two travelers saw her and contacted the police because they believed it was her. And two detectives boarded the train and arrested her. But it turned out to be Mrs. Cora Heron and was all an embarrassing mistake. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, but people were reporting things like this everywhere because most people believed it was all a setup and she wasn't really dead. Mm-hmm. So police were getting calls from all over the place that she was being seen on trains and restaurants and other states and stuff like that. So it's hard to follow up on all of that. Mm-hmm. But they tried to. Um and, I mean, I feel like she, because of her size back then, like, she probably would have stood out a little bit, too. Yes. Yeah. So, if you were a fat woman, yeah. you were probably oh suspected of being Belgunners. <laughs> yeah. That's um, horrible. Fat brunette woman. Yeah. Like, no, I'm not the butcher. <laughs> that was just, just so bad. <laughs> just overweight. Okay, I understand. Ugh. Poor women. Yeah. Right. Um. So the sheriff, after all these claims, he was like, I want to prove she's dead for sure so people can stop contacting us. So to help do that, he hired a miner to search the ashes because Belle had gold-capped teeth. So even though they didn't find her head, he was trying to find these teeth. um, And Belle's dentist, Dr. Ira Norton, agreed that they could find the gold crowns um, because the fire would not have been hot enough to melt gold. It wouldn't have been hot enough to melt bone, though. Bone has to burn at, like, a right. extreme temperatures. And if it didn't even get to the whole, her whole body, yeah. I'd be shocked if it burnt her, just her skull. Right. Where's the fire coming from if it just burns off her head? Exactly. That's what a lot of people were like. It makes no sense that there's no skull in the rest of the remains are there yeah Yeah. but um they continued that search anyway to try Mm -hmm. and find something and trains were taking advantage of this morbid fascination and they were giving special train fare deals to laporte because trains were like booming because everyone wanted to go to laporte and about twenty thousand people showed up on sunday may 10th to her farm and this is where this weird carnival comes in. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because 20,000 people had showed up, Laporte was like, let's turn this into a thing and put us on the map. And graveside, by the graves with moldering bodies and a police investigation going on, they set up on her farm, like, this whole weird carnival thing. And it was like, come take your picture next to the bodies on the butcher's farm. And they were selling like pink ice cream and lemonade and popcorn and selling like, I'll take your photo next to these bodies and bones. And they 
okay police were like trying they put up a fence to try and keep people out but people were like running out and like paying to touch the skulls and the bodies and stuff it was super weird it's super weird um so it was like i mean twenty thousand. you can't hold back twenty thousand people you just can't no especially if the town is for it because they want to be known I mean, right. maybe you don't want to be known for murder, but they were taken advantage of. I don't know. I mean, no such thing as bad publicity, right? Exactly. So, yeah, it kind of just turned into, like, this carnival of morbidity, I guess. That is crazy. Yeah. People are messed up. I know. Like, oh, my God. Like, I children. Didn't... They were like, oh, honey, go take your photo next to this moldering body. Like, gross. But, yeah. And, like, these photos, I, I mean, I can't find them, but, like, they exist somewhere still. <laughs> like, uh, so rumors are going around, like, crazy at the same time. People were saying she was Kate Bender, who had oh, disappeared. Yeah. Yep. And the, the city of Valparaiso, Indiana, claimed that, uh, they wanted to get in on this, too. Mm-hmm. They're like, we're not that Typical far away. Valpo. Yeah. <laughs> Valpo. Um, they were like, yeah, Belle was here. She lived here first. She was going to settle here and then oh, decided to go to whatever, Valpo. So Valpo. they were trying to cash in whatever. on that, too. <laughs> yeah. Um, so on Tuesday, May 19th, her teeth were found. Those gold teeth were found in the ashes. And the doctor who did her, like, crowns and stuff confirmed that, yeah, that is Bell's. So the coroner, with this new evidence of her actual teeth, the coroner... Um, Charles Mack finally filed his report and said that Belle Gunness was dead um, of homicide. Friday, May 22nd, Ray is charged with arson and first-degree murder for Belle, her kids, and Andrew. And Andrew? Yes, and Andrew, because they believed, like, he was jealous of Andrew. Because it was when he showed up that he was booted out, you know? Oh my so, gosh! I know. Poor Andrew. What about the hair in his hand? They were like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, right? Yeah, you'd think they'd be sus about that. Are they okay. just trying to? But then all the other bodies, they just—I feel like the police really wanted just to say that Bell was dead. They didn't want people thinking she was alive, and this was the way to prove she was dead was to get a conviction on Ray. right. Yeah, but uh, why? Okay. I don't know if you're about to explain this. I okay. probably not. Why were they in the cellar? If that's the place that yeah. they're not supposed to be really. And it was like the middle of the night. It's after this guy is sleeping. Yeah. Why are they downstairs in the cellar? And also I'm thinking, okay, fine. If her if her head is there. And it took them so long to find her teeth too. Right. Like, so what I'm thinking is she had I don't even know what you would do. Somehow blown her head off to start the fire in the first place. Well, she like probably poured the kerosene over everywhere and then somehow blew her head off to start it. Yeah. But where did it go? I think it like literally, <laughs> I feel like if you blew your head up, there wouldn't be any, it'd be dust. Mm. But then the rest of your body would be affected. Oh, like literally blew her head up. I was thinking like she, or like shot had herself, a mouth. But... Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. I mean like. I don't know. Maybe she like. And her teeth had a mouthful of kerosene. Oh, God. And then, <laughs> I don't know. I'm just trying to think of a way that right. you, just your head would burn. 
I just don't know what to. I don't know what to think. I'm so confused. It's so bizarre. What happened, you Bell Gunnis? <laughs> so Bell and the three Gunnis children were loaded onto Lakeshore train to Chicago, and they were buried at the Forest Lake Cemetery. And Bell's sister Nellie refused to attend. Nobody showed up to this funeral. Yeah, which I get it for Bell, but for the poor kids. That's By association, true. they didn't get a really good funeral. Poor That's kid. true. They sh- it should have been all separate. Yeah. Unfortunately, mm. it wasn't. That's sad. So, um, Ray's trial begins, and most people who were selected for the jury were rejected because they had already drawn their own conclusions if Mrs. Gunness was alive or dead or if Ray was guilty or not because people mm-hmm. were talking about this all over the country. Right. So they had a job of finding an actually like impartial jury. So all circumstantial evidence, was that's all they had for this trial. They had no definitive proof at all. Mm-hmm. But the prosecution set out to prove that Ray had set the fire whether he meant to murder them or not. They were trying to push it that it was arson mm-hmm. and manslaughter, I guess. Like, because they can't prove he wanted to murder them for sure. Right. But... It's um, not like they were dead inside already as far as they could tell. Yeah. And he... And the big thing that the prosecution used is that Ray was spotted that morning on foot on the Gunness Road and that he saw the fire and he was asked, well, why didn't you go for help? And he said, I didn't think it was any of my business. So Um, that is against him that he showed he didn't care. But he had this huge feud with her. So, I mean, I guess you still could have been like, hey, there's a fire at that house. But yeah, yeah. Um, it does make him seem guilty, though. Yeah, and when he was arrested, the first thing he said was, did those folks burn up in the fire? So that is also against him. That They were like, oh, so it's on your mind. He knew about this fire. So um, the coroner was questioned at the trial, but he didn't have his notes with them, and he had misremembered a lot of facts, and the cross-examination really flustered him. And the book I was reading had, like, the full, like, court transcripts, and it's super, it's, like, astounding how incompetent it is. So, <laughs> the coroner's word was completely, like, discredited in the trial. Oh, my gosh. It well, was I already ridiculous. feel like it's discredited. I don't know. I, I really, I still feel like there's something up about that whole death. Yeah. I can't get over that. I know. It's, like, something you've never heard before. It's, like, super weird and, It yeah. doesn't make any sense. Another coroner said he could not definitively say her cause of death because he believed it was due to asphyxia, which would help say that she died in a fire. It would, like, Mm -hmm. help the arson case. Um, But he conceded, he's like, I don't know if her body's left arm or right leg had been burned off or chopped off. It's hard to say. So they couldn't really define anything. He also gave doubt because this coroner said, well... If the woman's remains that he was looking at were probable weight to 73 pounds. And he's like, well, the flesh probably shrunk by two thirds in the fire. But they were all like, that doesn't make sense. Because by that logic, a nine pound rib roast would be three pounds when it's cooked. So it just his math wasn't adding up either. Yeah. So people were just like, you're ridiculous. Get off the stand. (laughs) That's true. Oh, it's so interesting. Mm -hmm. And the defense tried to say, oh, also, 
The way the organs were contracted pointed towards poisoning as well in the children. They had found out. So, and there was also a hole in the little boy's forehead. So that helped people lean toward, the defense lean towards that Belle had killed her own children. She had poisoned Mm -hmm. them and something happened to the boy's forehead um, before the fire even happened. So... The defense tried to say that Belle removed her gold crowns herself to make it look like she died, but the doctor, the dentist, said that's not possible. Once the crown is in, it's in. She couldn't possibly have. But they were like, oh, she was an ogre. She could just rip it out of her mouth. (laughs) So You don't understand. This one's a monster. Yeah. She could do it. I don't know. So, um, I want to know if they were actually found. I mean... To be teeth? found, yeah, to be found. Oh yeah, they were. They're like, well, I mean, so it's, in records, it's but... in records. That's what I'm saying. Is like, yeah. I wonder if someone lied somewhere just to try to like get this to stop. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. Just because. Why did it take them so long to find them? Too. I mean, mm-hmm. how much did they really have to search through? Unless they wouldn't it just fall with the body? Well, there was a lot of ashes. Still, so, but yeah, I don't know. I, I don't, don't know. I'm curious. Um, <laughs> so the prosecution then brings up their three court battles in this feud between Ray and Bell, and mm-hmm. the defense strove to prove that Bell was alive um, by testimony of witnesses who saw her alive, um, that the kids were poisoned, and Bell placed an adult body as hers. So the defense is trying. The prosecution is trying to prove Ray did it, mm-hmm. and the defense is saying Belle did it, and mm-hmm. she's alive somewhere, you know? Um, so this is kind of a l- fun little side note to this. <laughs> tons and tons of women came to this trial. So women were the huge fascination with this, and they were reported as, like, elbowing their way into the courtroom and camping out. Like, a ton of women wanted to see this, and know about this and a reverend gerard made a sermon saying that women were low and horrible morally and that if you were a woman who went to this trial you (laughs) were the scum of the earth and basically all this blah 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 yeah and he said um he's like i believe in women having rights but liberty of women does not mean license God gave woman a peculiar nature and set her in the home to be a presiding spirit there. Going to trials would ruin a woman's purity, gentleness, and sympathy. And basically all this blah, blah, blah crap. And then... Excuse me. I know. But the interesting thing is, a lot of men were like, how dare you accuse our fine women of being low these women are the finest ever and like obviously women were protesting it too but it surprised me that men were and this one guy even wrote a whole letter in like a newspaper saying that he's like i i think we should celebrate women's curiosity in these things and their knowledge to educate themselves too and that it doesn't belong to just men and that um, there's no finer woman than the educated woman who wants to know about everything, not just like the womanly shit. And like, thank you. Yeah, I, I I meant to bring the book to like read what he actually wrote, but I forgot it. But it's really interesting, and I was like, yes. What's this book called? It's called Hell's Princess. Oh, nice, Hell's yeah. Princess. 
Um, wow. That yeah. is, I'm just, hmm. But it does make sense. Like, I feel like women are the ones that, um, are more interested in this true crime. Yeah. For whatever reason. It is. I think it's, I always, like, attribute it as, like, we want to protect ourselves as much as possible. So yeah. we want to know everything. I feel that too. But then when it, when it, I think it's also interesting because it's like, I think women are kind of like, okay, I'm a woman. I had this maternal instinct. How can somebody go and, and hurt children like this, their own children? Mm-hmm. You know, I would be really in, interested in it as well. Yeah. Be, from looking at it, just like, how could she have that mentality and do that as a woman? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I get it, ladies. Yeah. But also, I usually feel like when women are, like, flocking a murder or a murderer or a trial, whatever, yeah. it's like Ted Bundy. Like, tons of women were there. Yeah. And it's because they, for some reason, are, like, interested in him. Yeah. I don't support that. No, but... I don't support that. But at the same time, it's like, usually that's when women start flocking. Right. Yeah. But I don't know. So in response to this sermon, uh, even more, like double the amount of women showed up the next day. So yeah, just that was a fun little side note to throw in there. Um, (laughs) I love that. I know, right? Oh, really? Okay, I'm gonna go. Yeah, screw you. I didn't want to go before. I want to go now. Yeah. Um, So the verdict of this trial: Ray was found guilty of arson but not guilty of their murders. Oh, good. Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. And he was sentenced to state prison in Michigan City for 21 years and fined $5,000, which was a lot of money back then. Yeah. Um, Wait, I do have a quick question, though. Did they did they know about the um, kerosene that she bought the day before at this point? Yeah. They do. Okay. But... And did they find it on the farm or anywhere? No, they couldn't prove that she had done anything with it. So it was basically all being pinned on him from the beginning. So from that very first moment, they were like, it's Ray. I feel like if he didn't, if he, even though he was so, he was probably so bitter at the time. Mm -hmm. If he hadn't like said, oh yeah, I saw it. I didn't say anything. Yeah. Then I think that maybe his story would be a little different. Because I feel like that's the only, besides her saying that she's afraid he's gonna burn but unless he like openly threatened that Mm -hmm. she could have made it up and then put that in people's minds so that she could pin it on this guy exactly i kind of think that is what happened i don't really think he had anything to do with it maybe he did but i i don't know there was a lot of poison found in the kids so i feel like she did something yeah. I wonder what made her kind of reach that point. Yeah, who knows? Like maybe she was she getting just a lot of questions. I mean, this guy Azel was up her butt. Yeah. And Chris Christopherson. I wonder what he said after he they right. found all this out. I yeah. want to be like. I want to know if he was just like, yeah, I told you guys, <laughs> right? He's like, I've been questioning her for years. Like, I don't know. But Ray took his sentence in good graces. He always said he was innocent. Um, but he was like, okay, it is what it is. You know, he didn't, like, fight it or whatever. Um, and he's like, you know, in hindsight, I would have told people about the fire when I saw it. And, like, he's like, yeah, yeah, my mistake. But, like, yeah. 
He's probably, yeah, I, like I said, he's probably just was bitter and was angry about it at the time and was like, no. Yeah. And then realized how much crap he got for it and how in trouble he got for it. Yep. So, October 1909, less than a year into his sentence, um, Ray was dying of <gasps> incipient tuberculosis. Uh, I don't know what incipient sim- is. I don't know either. But, but tuberculosis. <laughs> Tuber- yeah. yeah. Okay, question. Yeah. This might be a really stupid question. Is TB the same as tuberculosis? Because yes. I've always thought that. Okay, yes. good. <laughs> um, so his Ray's brother-in-law tried to have him released for his final months, but the governor of Indiana refused unless he made a full confession. Oh. Um, but Ray died December 30th of that year before he made any such confession if he ever was going to you know um that is such a that's such an annoying place to put somebody in yeah like the only way that you can get out is if you confess like that would just that that's like literally a forced confession where that gets people like in in a police interrogation yeah you know like a coerced confession exactly yeah it's not it's not an actual confession because we still even if he said fine i did it mm-hmm. it's just because he wants to get out exactly <laughs> yep Aww. so after his death though a man named reverend shell went to several newspapers and he's like i got the scoop ray oh. made a full confession to me and only me and it, he detailed how Ray had said he planned to burn the farm down, steal the money with this black woman he was with, whose name was Elizabeth Smith. And because she was black, there was so much like hubbubaloo about it and, you know, whatever. Um, and she was questioned, too. And she was like, I didn't have anything to do with it. I just slept <laughs> with him a couple times. <laughs> so like, poor woman. Um, he said that he accidentally killed everyone. But Andrew, he accidentally killed everyone but Andrew. He killed Andrew on purpose because he hated him so much. That's what he said Ray confessed to. And then... Whatever, Reverend. Right. And these stories, he like sold them to newspapers to get money, you know. And it was proved that these stories were all completely fabricated. He made no such concession or confession. None of that happened. So. (laughs) That's just so annoying. For one, a reverend. Yeah. Shouldn't you know better? Two... If this guy tells you in confidence, I'm pretty sure that once he dies, it's not like that confidentiality isn't is lifted. Yeah, right. Like when you tell a when you tell a reverend something. I mean, I guess when you're confessing to a crime, to they I might think, have to tell. I think but. that that's you know, um, that kind of gives them the right to say, okay, I yeah. mean, I'm I'm not your lawyer. This is not like I have to tell someone. You know, right. But at the same time, if you made that, if you committed that you weren't going to tell anybody and you waited till after this dude died, I'm calling a big fat bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> same. Mr. Reverend. You just, and when they were proved to be false, like he just completely discredited any credibility as a reverend either. Like exactly. you're done. You're done. Yeah. Like no one's going to trust you. No one's going to trust to even tell you anything. Yep. It's so dumb. In 1931, so flash forward some years, Wow. Mm-hmm. a Mrs. Esther Carlson was accused of poisoning her employer, August Lindstrom, 
after she reported he just randomly suddenly died of an illness and it was also after she had requested that she and august share a joint account so they had the same money mm-hmm. and then police found in esther's things um a photo of bell gunnis's children philip lucy and myrtle and it spreads like wildfire that esther carlson is bell gunnis she's alive she's been pretending to be this other person and she's done it again and it was largely like because the photo of her kids was found like that's a weird thing (laughs) what's Um, her explanation i don't know but this esther says you know it's not me it's not me. I'm not Belle Gunness. And they were like, why do you have this photo? <laughs> yeah. And she's like, I just found it. And they were just such cute children. Like, Creepy. I know. Like, if, okay, it, if that's true, that's really weird. I do not carry photos of children. children that do not relate to me at all around. Like, okay. Um, and she, uh, she died also of tuberculosis before any more answers would come. <laughs> how convenient i know why does this happen um in 2008 bell's remains were exhumed yeah by um a pair of forensic anthropologists and um a team of dna experts but all of their tests were inconclusive so they cannot confirm even today if that those remains they found that the headless remains was actually Balganus or not. So it remains a mystery to this day of what happened. Oh, man. Isn't that crazy? Like, I don't know. I kind of believe that that is her body. But at what? Where's the head? What? Wait, I'm going to look this up really quick. Because I want to know what temperature does gold burn, like melt at? And then what temperature does bone melt, burn mm. at? Here, I'm going to look it you up. You look up one, I'll look up the other. Okay, I'll look up the gold. Okay. Okay. So, gold needs to reach a temperature. And so the thing, my whole thought process is, okay, it might not have, like, I'm not saying it incinerated, but I'm thinking it would have melted into, like, a, like more of, like, a just, like, a flat little piece mm-hmm. and wouldn't have been a crown at that point, you know? Yeah. 1,948 degrees Fahrenheit. Whoa. Okay, what's bone? So bone melts at 1,670 degrees. Oh, that's Celsius. So Fahrenheit, 3,038 degrees Fahrenheit. So that's a lot of heat. Boom. Boom. Look at that. Okay, so that tells me that, because that's three, that's almost three times, wait, right? Or maybe two times more? Well, about two times. It was 1,948 so about two times, over two times more, hot. <laughs> hot. I don't, I don't know why I said it like that. Hotter. That's what I'm looking for. The word is hotter. Yeah. <laughs> for the bone to just go. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't. It doesn't make sense, people. It's super, super weird because I... The way I believe, the way I lean towards this case, it's kind of contradictory because I don't really believe that Ray did it. No. But I don't see how Belle could 
remove her head and dispose of it like i mean (laughs) you can't do that like i don't understand i don't understand but i do believe she poisoned the kids and i i don't know what her motives are because she's the type to run away and whatever but like i don't know it's i this is one of those cases i'm like i can't wait to find out someday you know i don't know maybe in heaven one day i can find out the world's mysteries but (laughs) you're just like god i need to talk to you i need i have questions about murders what happened did lizzie borden do it what happened where'd the benders go yeah i need to know these things yeah that's really crazy wow yeah mysteries drive me crazy but at the same time they're like so crazy i had to no we have to share it that's the thing and this is just such a weird weird the investigation process just really frustrates me it was definitely rushed Mm -hmm. they definitely just pointed fingers i don't they didn't i don't honestly think they had enough evidence to uh put um our friend uh ray ray in jail no absolutely not they like yeah you can think he did it but that's not it's It's all circumstantial your turtles are outside or snowing it's snow okay anyway we'll wrap it up (laughs) sorry because my turtles are outside (laughs) we have to go eat some turtles all right well this is such an interesting one i always say this you just pull it all together at the end and blow my mind so anyway um that's the story of our friend Belle Gunness. Not no. our friend. Ew. Not, no. not our friend. Not our friend. I wouldn't be friends with her. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> of our not friend, Belle Gunness. I'm Casey. And I'm Emily. And you just heard a sprinkle of sugar, a dash of murder. <laughs> <laughs> I was planning that.